0: This is Darren Hunter here and welcome to the BDM Coach podcast show where BDM Coach experts Michael Sands and Dennis Yusuf show you how you can become effective BDMs. Now also for 40 ways to grow your rent roll, we've put together a free book, the PM Lead Secrets. All you've got to do is pay for shipping. Go to PMLeadSecrets.com, that's PMLeadSecrets.com. Hi, everyone. Darren Hunter here. Before we get into our podcast, just want to do a quick shout out for Inspection Manager. What an amazing inspection app platform that they have. And they're really excited at the moment with their tenant-assisted routine inspections, where your tenants, in the convenience of their own time frame and in the convenience of their rental property, they can be getting you through the app inspections um, their own inspection or their own photos that they've done now this is going to help you particularly if you're in lockdown but what we've also found as businesses have come out of lockdown um, they've found that perhaps they can do maybe one or even two of these inspections a year aside from scheduling their normal routine inspections The next step, really, go and have a demo, have a look for yourself and make a decision where this could actually work for you too. So go to inspectionmanager.com, request a demo and check it out. Hi,
1: everyone, it's Dennis Youssef here from Inspired Growth Training and I've also got Darren Hunter with me and we are the BDM Coach Podcast show here today. Darren, this is an amazing topic. Um, I I love the topic that um, you've come up with this one, right? And um, it's been great. We don't normally have you on the BDM Coach podcast show, but we've been bringing you back in because you've got so much to give. Now, the reason why I like this topic is because I didn't pick up every single property. There was properties that, you know, my team was like, no, Dennis, you can't list in that street, you know, and and we'll share about that as we go through this podcast. But um, Darren, eight reasons. You come up with eight reasons, Darren.
0: Well, eight reasons where you should say no to new business. Now, already for a lot of business owners, it's probably already sounding like blasphemy. And because... <laughs> I can the sales agents going, no. No, because you got to understand, Dennis, it's all good and well for a BDM to go, we need 50 roofs and front doors this month. Mm. But if they're not managing them and they're giving it to a team and it's got toxic business, toxic owners, bad quality, all of that, it's going to make everyone sick. Yeah. So we, we, we've got to, you know, in this day and age, Dennis, we've got such a staffing crisis out there. So much burnout, so much hurt, so much pain going on. And it's getting harder and harder, near impossible now to get quality property managers and them working in a toxic environment. Another, you know, one line is I'm going to give a lot of my well-proven one-liners today, you know, why have your staff living in an atmosphere that's like Mars? You want a place that's fit for human habitation. You want a place where your property managers want to come in on a Monday, they're happy to work there and stay with you for a long time. If you want that, you need to have a quality rent roll. And a quality rent roll means you need to know when to say no to new business because it's only going to hurt your business, your team, your people, your bottom line, everything. And so I think a lot of owners, business owners, Dennis, are waking up to the fact they just can't take on crap. You just can't take on everything. And so I'm going to give everyone um, uh, rules today that they can go by. Um, And so when they're looking at a new property, if it fits this eight criteria, then you can say yes. But if it doesn't, then you've got to be happy to say no and let your competitors manage it. Because you know that it's going to bring some level of pain to your profitability um, or to your team, to your culture, to the time of your team, all of those sorts of things. So um, just getting started, um, one of the analogies I do in my my training, Dennis, is is giving the analogy of, of, um, you know, just imagine right now a big um, container, like a, a water cooler. Yep. Uh, a water container of the most beautiful, pristine water, you know, really good drinking water quality. You know, we were in Bali a couple of weeks ago and we knew the value of, of quality water, didn't we? Um, you know, and we drink water. We couldn't drink the stuff out the tap. Otherwise, it will make you sick. Um, we know the, the value of quality water. And I guess my analogy is can you imagine a business that was healthy? It was clean. You know, the water was just something that everyone is happy to drink from. Um, Mm -hmm. and, And so that water, that clean, pure water is an analogy for a clean, crisp, squeaky, clean, quality, profitable rent roll. And there are such a thing. But let's just let's change the dynamics a little bit, Dennis. And let's go and get a handful of mud and throw it in there and let's just stir it up a bit and you know do you reckon the the color going to change pretty quickly i don't think we're going to get to see it through anymore and you got those little rocks that just fall to the bottom and then of course the the water is going to go a dark shade of brown and, and let's go get some floor cleaner and and throw it in um let's go and put some other chemicals in there let's go and put some sewage water in there dennis Let's the mix is, it up. The thing is about real
1: estate, Darren. Is now, you know you're you're
0: talking about different chemicals and elements to add to it. That's right. what happens. Now, eighty percent of that container is probably still water. Yeah. But what about that twenty percent? Now has contaminated it, and so it's gone through the whole batch, the whole the whole you know um, cooler of water. But now, what if we then take that container Dennis, and pass it around for all the staff to drink? Wow. And that's what they're living in. 40 hours a week and drinking and consuming no wonder why they're stressed they're burnt out and they're sick and they leave and you just think that's normal mm. so moving on everyone let's create a workplace um, um, you know that that's fit for human habitation and dennis i remember you driving me around in Nara, um it, looking at the streets that start with q the three q's darren <laughs> yeah. So let, let, let's just let you know that you know that was in Nara, and mm-hmm. so let's just start off. Um, I've given you a list of eight tenants, but we don't have to stick to um, the, uh, the the order there. But yeah. you know the location of your properties. There are some locations um that you shouldn't be managing in now just for our american viewers i get it you've got some discrimination laws and you know we don't have those discrimination laws here we can say look we you know we, we don't manage in a low associate an economic area or you know but you know what's your area like if you're in a city you've probably got some suburbs that you may choose not to managing if you're in a regional town it may be certain streets like dennis that you you may just wish to avoid because you know, you've got low rents anyway, but if they're attracting that lower socioeconomic type tenant, um, it, you know, up goes your problems, up goes the time to manage them, up goes the issues, down goes the rent, and it just, it compounds the, the issues and the problems and it causes a lot of pain. Now, I get property managers at this point saying, well, what if all of my properties are in lower socioeconomic areas? Um, and I've managed rent roles like that too. And yet in any slice like for example, the northern suburbs of Adelaide, there are um, you know lower socio suburbs worse than others, mm-hmm. and you know out of those you, you you can you can find the good ones. You just pick your properties very carefully, but you can still navigate your way around um, you know those if that's all you've got. Um, but um, yeah, certainly the the location of properties is very important, um, and uh, you know when considering, and if it's in an area. Um, where a good tenant doesn't want to live, then why do you want to manage it? And I think, Dennis, that's a really good question for everybody. If, uh, if you're taking on a new property and a good tenant will likely not rent it, why would you do it? Yeah, that's
1: right. Because There's a lot of factors that people are going to look at there too, Darren. Properties, they sit vacant for a longer period of time. And, and when a property is vacant, it creates more pressure on that biz, on that landlord. That landlord is, they're at their, their peak of stress and they're then adding pressure to the, the company saying, why haven't you leased it, why haven't you leased it, right? Which is then adding to extra strain within your company. Now, the reason why you have a filter is because you're really strict on who you're allowing to go into those properties. Mm. So your average days on market increases and you're not collecting income for the property, but you're processing applications, you're doing viewings, you're answering calls to those owners that are, you know, wanting their properties. And that's like that that example that you gave. It's adding liquid, all those compounds into that crystal clear water. You know, and you're not earning money.
0: Yet. Yeah. yeah. And that's correct. when it's vacant. So that's number one location. So you consider, are there, are there certain locations in your marketplace you shouldn't be managing because it's going to hurt you, your team, your profit margin. Okay. So moving on to the next one is distance, long distance. Now um, you know, if you're traveling more than 30 minutes drive to get to the property, why? And I've heard some horror stories, Dennis, of people taking a properties three or four hours away in another town um, simply because they want to grow. It's, 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 bad business or you might get well I've got three properties in that area well so okay you might do your routine inspections at the same time but are all those properties going to come vacant at the same time are you going to be leasing them at the same time no so now your economies of distance are going to go out the window Um, and it's 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 not a it's not a good business decision but Dennis I like this analogy and I showed it at the Bali leaders retreat is, you know, take a quality property manager and um, ask them to come out to the car park or to the parking lot, as Americans call, and yeah. sit on a chair for two hours for mental health, two hours a day. And all they can do is make and say, you know, make and take some calls on their phone. Well, they're not going to feel very um, relaxed after a week because we've taken 10 hours of their week to sit on a chair. And that property manager will pull you aside. And say, what are you doing? You're not giving me mental health. You're giving me mental stress and anxiety because I can't get my work done. But Dennis, when we don't have distance criteria involved of what we say yes to and what we say no to, there are some offices and some businesses where property managers are spending two hours a day sitting on a chair in a car. And they can't manage Mm -hmm. property. They can make, make and take some calls but they don't realize they're just so stressed out. They're so busy because they're doing all this driving. They're not effectively managing. They're managing part time on a full time rent roll. That's called stress. So we've got to be careful, people on location and dis, you know with distance. So I I like to have a, a guide of you know more than thirty minutes. Um, you know you've got a question. Um, and there might be some that you just feel the absolutely have to do because you've got an owner with two properties here and you've got one, you know forty minutes drive away. Well, you' just got to make the right business decision. You might have to charge a bit more. I don't know. you got to be careful of these long distance properties. Yeah, and look where I lived
1: down in forty minutes, that was forty kilometers. You know for me. you know, so that that's a long distance. That's eighty kilometers there and back. So, you know, fuel costs, et cetera, and the wear and tear on the vehicles, not just about, you know, time away. You know, if you're 30 minutes, you know, if it's a 30-minute drive, and that's because of traffic buildup, whatever the case, if if you're doing other, you know, you've got a lot of other properties in between that range, in that sphere, that circle, that's fine. But if it's one property that's, you know, 30 to 40 minutes away, I, I think that's really pushing the limit. Um, Darren, I was training some agencies in New Zealand. It was two and a half hours, two and a half hours, you know. Um, and it, I, I, I didn't understand it, um, but they wanted to focus their growth in that area, then they were going to employ someone. So if you've got a backstory to that and if, if there's a, um, you know, a, a, a solid reasoning behind it, that's fine. But have your goals, write the number down before you put someone on and then put some energy into that area.
0: Yeah. All right. So we've talked about location, talked about distance. The next criteria you need to have is around the actual type of property. So for example, mm-hmm. Dennis, the first day on my job as a property manager, right back in 1989, I remember it was an 11am appointment. I even forgot the keys. Um, and it was a, um, um, a place in Adelaide called Noblet Street in Finden and Adelaide property managers listing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's four blocks um, of altogether about 120 units or doors. Mm. Um, A lower socio, you know, there was even rumors I heard of property managers who had been raped there years before, right back in 1999. Um, low rent you know low socio really bad and that type of property is only going to bring a certain type of tenant it's only going to bring a low-end type of rent it's just not a quality type of business that you want to have and also here in South Australia we've got what we call semis which are ex-government housing properties are only going to attract a certain type of tenant so if you can look at a property whether it's a flat or a unit or a you know, might even be a condo depending on where you are and go, hang on, that's not going to get me a good result because typically the type of tenant that's going to rent that is going to be not what we really want or it could be too low a rent. Um, now you might actually, Dennis, you, you, you might have, a, you know, an executive apartment block where only an executive couple or a single person wants to rent, high rents, low touch time, It's all good. That type of property is great. Green light to that. But there are certain types of property that you've got to avoid. All righty. So in that example there, um, it's the structure, the look, the feel. What type of tenant is going to be magnetized to that property? And if that typical type of tenant isn't good for your business, then you've got to really rethink do you need to take it on because you're just adding another handful of toxic bit by bit that can cause problems. Because Dennis, it's not the, the miles that kill you in property management. It's all those dozens and dozens and dozens of little centimetres and all those little areas of compromise that then create a situation where we, we're we all burnt out, we're all stressed, but we mm-hmm. really can't put our finger on it because there's a lot of different things that went wrong along the way.
1: Yeah, Darren, those particular blocks that you're referring to um, in my town um, in Nara, most of the time it was... One owner, yeah, and yeah, own them all as well. And, and they were even more difficult to add to that scenario
0: as yeah. well. Yeah, difficult you know? landlord, difficult expectations, and all those sorts of things. So let's move on. So now we've got location strategy. Yep, when you should say no, um, distance, when you should say no, property type, when you say no. The next one's a no brainer property quality. So if, if an owner has got a property and it's not in a good state of repair or a reasonable state of repair as your bare minimum. Um, look, we're in rentals. We get it. There are some properties that aren't pristine. We know that. That's called bread and butter. But, you know, if it's if a good tenant, again, doesn't want to live there, and only a bad tenant's going to take it, um, and it's, it's ratty, it hasn't been looked after, it's in poor quality, um, why? You know, and, and Dennis, what about every now and again as a BDM? You've got a, a salesperson that's come to you and said, well, um, we've got a developer here. He's bought two pieces of crap, and he's going to sit on it until the economy's good. And then they're going to bulldoze it. And then they're going to rebuild on it. And until then, here are the keys, property managers. Now you've got to babysit them. That's hard because you feel you've got to take one for the team and I mm. get it, but there still has to be a minimum standard um, that has to be reached. So, you know, um, not all these things are cut and dry. I get that, but, We've got to be careful about not taking on something that is of poor quality. Yeah. All right, so that's number four, poor quality. Or just, you know, you want something reasonable to good standard and an owner that's willing to fix it. All righty? Okay. The next one is what I call avoiding the toxic landlord. So there's others are very property-centric or distance-centric. This is now personality-centric. And these are the owners, Dennis, that are really, really tight. These are the ones... And it's easy to understand why we have problems with these is because um, if we value the tenant, we value a good tenant, we value getting repairs done quickly, they value it too. Um, There's all these things that we value. But if we take on clients that don't share those values, then we're stepping into problems. We're Mm -hmm. stepping into conflict. And if we take on C-class landlords, well, they're in breach of our values. They've got different values, and they and they are motivated by different things, like how much money they retain, not willing to invest it into the property. And so, very quickly, seven criteria that makes up a C-class landlord or a toxic landlord or a C-class property owner is number one: they're very unreasonable and over-demanding and you just can't please them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, you call them up with good news, and they peel over your parade and make you feel like crap. Um, they take up so much of your time and they send you copious lengthy emails and frivolous requests and just very difficult and and, and just really soak up your time. Number three out of the seven is um, whatever the rents is, well, they just want more. They're not interested in market rent because market rent or just below market rent is going to get that nice sweet spot. Quality tenants is what we want. But if it's over rented, well, quality tenants aren't dumb. Good tenants aren't dumb. They know you know, Looking at realestate.com, they know what the market is and they see it's overpriced. You're going to have crickets or the only yeah. people are the bad tenants. And so um, we don't want owners that, despite our advice and what we tell them, to then still have properties over-rented. I mean, you're the
1: expert. You should be
0: educating them, right? Correct.
1: The other way around. But
0: if they're not interested in being educated, listen up, you might have a toxic owner. All right, next one is whatever your fees are, they just have a propensity to want less. You know, they want less management fee. They go on about your fees and complaining a lot. And you could have that money-centric owner that is just all about not wanting peace of mind and who they're going to manage it, but their peace of mind comes with how much money they can save. And so that's the difference everybody. You want to deal with owners that just want peace of mind and you to look after their property. So they don't have to think about it, but there are some owners that aren't motivated by that. They're motivated by how much they can screw out of you, how much they don't want you to earn, how much of a slave you're going to be to them and so forth. So just be aware of that. All right. The next one. So we've talked about over demanding and unreasonable. We've talked about taking too much of your time over rented properties um, or wanting too much rent they're very fee orientated now the next one is they put little to no money into the property so that mm-hmm. can also relate to number four where we talked about property quality you could have one of them yeah. and so um, you want someone that's willing to put that money into the property and invest in the property keep it at a good quality level they're not going to argue with you with serious issues of smoke alarms being fixed and all those sorts of things um, and if they are arguing with you on safety issues and feel that they don't want to do that, well, that's a big red flag warning sign. So, all right. Next one is um, they have tend to have a crap property that just attracts a crap tenant. And number seven is they tend to have a low rent property too. So there are the seven things that makes up a toxic owner or a toxic landlord. Um, and Dennis... What can I say? They're like yes. a packet of cigarettes and they'll take years off your life and the life of your staff. And then these you know, are the big issues why they burn out. Darren, I actually had an owner that, um, you know, I mean, it'd be nice if we could do a
1: psychological analysis on every owner when we bring them in. And it is important, that you know, I had one, you know, your last point most of the time is they're going to have that, that crappy property. Well, I actually had one that met all six of your criterias Right, but they had the best property in this suburb, in a prominent suburb in
0: the Shellhaven called Campbara, you know, and hey, question so Dennis, how did the how did the, the tenancy turn out? How did it turn out? Well, well, let me let me finish the
1: story because we didn't even get tenants in the property, right? So we signed the property up, I got all the advertising done. They actually did agree to the professional photography because there was a good PDM that worked there and upsold um you know, the benefits of professional photography. So that they, they did have professional photography, but the owner kept on turning down the application. I'm talking prominent area, only top quality people are going to be applying. And they kept on finding they would approve them. The next day they would ring up and say, we changed their mind. They'd have an email why? So I actually had to ring them up and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Mipsy, that 30-day agreement where you've got to terminate... Um, the agreement with us, well, that's actually 30 days for us. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to waive that 30 days and you can come pick your files up because we're obviously not the right um, acting, you know, managing agent for you. You know, so i recognise recognised it. But the work and the stress that put on our leasing agent, she was going to have my head picking up that property. She didn't care it was the best property in the street in the South. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've learned that too. I've, I've had really good quality brand new properties and a very bad owner, mm. uh, enough to scare off the tenant. And, um, you know, it, it, it's it, you, you can have a, um, a great owner and an average property and you'll be fine. But mm. you could have a bad owner and a quality property And even a quality tenant I've seen in a whole thing was just going to fall over. So, you know, you want to get owners that are going to be in alignment with your values. You know, one of the quotes of my good friend, Kevin Hodges says, you know, they they are in the accommodation business. It is a business thing. You've got to remove your emotions out of it. And you've got to um, act like you're in the accommodation business. So, you know, we are, we are in the accommodation business and they need, they are partners. Your owners are partners in the process. Tenants are partners in that process to then make sure good business happens in that accommodation business. A bit like the hotel group we did yesterday, Dennis, that's the accommodation business. Yep, certainly is. And we love it. And we do, we work in property. So, um, all right. So we've talked again, this is a quick summary, but being careful with the distance, care about the location of those streets and suburbs and things like that and um, we've talked about property type the property quality we talked about c-class land on the next one dennis the f word the f word furniture now you thought i was going to say something else right but the furniture you say if, if you're in holiday accommodation you need furniture if you need student accommodation You need furniture. If you're, I don't know, you're in short-term Airbnb, you need furniture. But if you're in long-term traditional property management, why do you need furniture? You know, if you're out in the suburbs, why do you need furniture? Oh, well, Darren, the owner, he's moving away to the UK for two years and he's asking us to rent it out. And, you know, crockery, cutlery, toasters, sheets, bedding, quilts, um, forks, knives, spoons, nightmare, 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 nightmare. And Dennis, in the latter years of my property management career, I would get a call from an owners like this and I'll walk into the property and says, well, um, you should be able to get such and such a rent for it, but I can't do it for you mm. um, because there's just too many problems. Um, you know, Dennis, we get a dent in the fridge. There's a dent in the fridge, moving out. The owner now wants a new fridge. Tenants saying, no, conflict, going to try, you see, it just snowballs. You know, I've seen checks written for missing microwave ovens where when I was managing properties, property managers, the thing's just going missing because it, 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 you know, inspecting furniture shouldn't simply be something that was an add-on of what we do. You know, beds, Dennis, and furniture, bed bugs. Oh my goodness, we had a discussion about that yesterday. There is so much litigation and issues around beds and hygiene. Um, You know, there's every reason why, if you want to stack up all the reasons why you shouldn't do furnished properties, with the context that I spoke about, and why you should do it, I think the the list of why you shouldn't do it completely overshadows the the pluses, and and why make it more difficult for you. All right, now, okay, if you're in that special type of short-term accommodation where that's required, well, that's not traditional property management. All right, but you're getting my point. You know, let's just be careful about the F word. So, all right, Dennis, we got two more to talk about. The next one is rent. Um, minimum rent before you say no, because we need to um, be careful on the types of property we're managing, because once it hits a certain rent threshold and goes below that, then we could be getting into those low end, low socio type properties. And Dennis, people are more focused about getting their 8%, their 7%, the 6%, but they ignore the overall money. What are we actually earning for that property? Because this leads on now to part eight. Criteria number eight is... What's the contract value of that property you've brought in? What's it going to bring in minimum of the next 12 months? Because in the sales department, a salesperson goes out, signs up an $800,000 listing and comes back and he's not thinking, whoa, I just signed up an $800,000 listing or they're not running around the office, ringing the bell going, wow, well, I just did a 2% yeah. commission, ding, 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 No, it's, this is going to bring in 15 grand minimum. But Darren, imagine if, um, you know,
1: you weren't looking at that annual um revenue that's bringing in. And it was also in an area that was so far away. So it's a double-edged sword. They're, they're really, they're, they're making the mistake in, in two different areas.
0: And Dennis, I've seen matters. people take on a property an hour's drive away, a low rent property. The owner screwed them down on fees and it's just bad. And they're getting a third commission or income from that property what they do the one down the street wow. and it's just dumb and they just this is where it all hits the wall Dennis it, it it all results in high staff turnover in property managers that don't want to work for you anymore you'll just go and employ another one well good luck um in, in, in toxic workplace lots of problems issues um a lot of our time just taken up putting out fires dealing with social problems um and exhaustion and this is what toxic looks like. It does your head in, and if property management's difficult enough, don't make it more difficult. So, Dennis, getting back to the contract value, what's the minimum we're going to earn? We've got to look at is it. And I encourage everybody: if you're not earning three thousand dollars per property per year minimum, you need to. Email me, Darren at IGTmail.com uh, or just contact inspiredgrowthtraining.com.au. Book into my diary. I'll be happy to have a look at your situation. But you should be earning um, a, a, you know, a minimum two and a half to three thousand dollars a year in fee revenue. That's all management fees, leasing fees, other fees added on. Three grand a year. If you're not, you need to speak to me because. Um, What are you in property management for? You know, when you get to that one property manager, it's at 100, 120 properties, you want to be able to easily employ another person. Not struggle and go, oh my goodness, how am I going to justify this financially? Because I'm not going to be able to, you know, pay management or pay my salary or anything like that. Well, this is where you get into trouble with this sort of thing. So you want to be able to easily be able to reemploy when you need to because your quality fees are there. And so, Dennis, we need to be looking at okay, this property here, if I've got a tenant moving out every two years, I know um, in the next year. Take on uh, with the leasing fee. Um, you know, I'll just account half of that for this year and half of that for next year. And this year, I should be able to with this rent and this management fee and all these other predictable fees. We should be able to do a minimum two thousand eight hundred, minimum three thousand dollars in fee income. Yes, we're happy that now fits our criteria. And Mister Smith, welcome on board. We're happy to do business with you. And because it fits our criteria now. We're happy to reveal to you what our fees are. So, Dennis, when owners now call up and say, what are your fees? Well, that well, th- th- adds another element, doesn't it? We, 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 we're not able to reveal our fees, Mr. Smith, until we're until able to meet your, your, your property. property. It fits our criteria. Otherwise, because we can't do business with everyone. Um, and just a couple more things I want to add to it. These are a couple little you know, add-ons I can put to that list is, you know, be careful about not taking on other people's evictions. There's so many problems with that. You feel that you have to take on a mess that the owner you're gonna save him out of, well, consider charging a, 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 a three times management fee, you know, um, three times higher management fee, just for that time period until you can get the tenant out, making sure you get paid. We charge them a fixed rate because you shouldn't be doing it simply to grow. You know, you've got to be paid for your time and all the stress that's going to come with it. And Dennis, the next one um, that I like people to avoid is is just to avoiding the letting onlys. Um, so, I mean, Darren,
1: I can argue on this one, right? And, I know and as
0: a BDM you can, but I'm coming from a property manager oh, point of totally, view. Totally, totally.
1: So, I mean, and when I say I argue, all I want to do is bring to the point that you know, um, IG team members have got access to our training, where we have got a strategy in converting those lead onlys, casual lets into full time management. You know, but you know, the, the point that you're bringing up is, don't take on those, um, you know, let onlys and then give it back to the owner. You know, um, you know, because you're you're all you're doing is finding a tenant. You can bring in some revenue, I get short term, um, but you know, you're you're really talking about the um, but, you know, just picking up and letting go.
0: Yeah, yeah, correct. And and finding them a quality tenant when you could be putting that quality tenant into one of your properties. But here is the main reason, Dennis, is that, okay, they tend to be self-managing landlords that just need help with the leasing side of things, right? Aside from having a problem with that, but also for the fact that, um, you know, okay, the owner, you give them a good tenant, Mm -hmm. but that tenant runs into trouble with their rent. Now, if they were you were managing them at two days behind, you'd be all over it like white on rice, right? Straight mm. on bang, early intervention. Because you know at early intervention, we can save this, we can put it back on track, we can get the tenant straight, we can get this rent, bang, everything's cool. But the yeah. owner may not have your early intervention technique with late rent and will start chasing at three weeks behind. Mm. But it may be too late by then. And then unfortunately push comes to shove, that tenant ends up getting evicted with that self-managing landlord, the, the good tenant that you gave him, but you could have saved it. But now that owner thinks not only did they have a bad tenant, but they had a bad agent. Can you see the yep. problem there, Dennis? Is yes. that that's, we've got to be careful around this letting only property managers go, well, you know, they might come back to us or we can convert it. Well, good luck. You know, I do see, I mean, I know Dennis you got some great strategies around this, but Um, You know, know, let's not get that excited about this type of business. If you honestly think it's going to convert, do it. But otherwise, um, these are the things that keeps the water cooler clean. All right. This list of eight things plus two is to keep that clean, keep uh, an environment there where people want to work in. It's low burnout because there is no burnout. There's a low burnout, high burnout. High burnout just hurts everybody. It hurts the staff turnover rates. It hurts your reputation. It hurts customer service. You just bleed properties. It's all bad. Um, And you want to have that quality. So I just encourage everyone, if you want those eight things um, on a a Word doc, I've got one. Just email me, darren at igtmail.com and ask for the eight reasons when you should say no. And I'll give that, you can just type over it, make it your policy and have that. Um, And every time you're looking at a new property, does it fit that criteria? You know what to say now when people call out, oh, what are your fees? Well, we're not able to reveal our fees until we actually can make sure that, you know, we're, we're going to be on the same page and I need to meet you. I need to see the property. There's some quotes. Yeah, and,
1: and, you know, it is a good script that you can say when someone rings up. You know, there's other scripts that you can come back with. But, um, you know, when you do know the area and the street they're coming from, it's certainly something that I would be sticking to. Mm. I would be saying that, you um, you know, um, and another way of of doing that, Darren is saying, you know, we first have to do a, an assessment of your property and a report to see if it meets the standards of our um, our company for us to be able to take over. And if, you know, if you're worried about that discrimination, that's where you can say, you know, um, we need to do a test to make sure that it's meeting all safety standards and and um, minimum um, requirements for our, you know, for IDT Realty to be able to manage the property. Darren, really good points, great tips. I mean, I can only imagine how many properties I would have listed if I did take on all the properties. There were times I was dealing with investors and I would say, if you were to um, purchase this property, um, you know, um, Integrity Real Estate wouldn't be able to manage it, you know? And then they would ask why and I'd explain it uh, and they would go, wow, that's really good advice. I didn't know that because salespeople do a really good job of selling properties, but they don't know the statistics and data around the rentals. And that's why it's really important that these eight things are in the back of the mind of property when taking on properties.
0: That's it. All right. Well, thanks everyone. I've really enjoyed that. As this, this is teaching. I've been teaching for years you know, around, you know, and Dennis, we just want people to stop doing property management. We want you to run from it. We want you to flee from it. We want you to not do it again and start doing profitable quality property management there is a difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Darren, you brought up some scripts, you know, um, and, you know, where can people get more scripts and dialogues to help them, Darren, um, win more business? I mean, there's the PM Lead Secrets book, which teaches them how to grow their rent roll. Well. But is there something else, you know, if anyone wants information? So firstly,
0: of course, Dennis's book, PMLeadSecrets.com. Just get his book there, just pay shipping. But we've also put out the PMB Scripts secrets.com go there um, just pay shipping and that's 50 plus scripts on there on how to overcome any fee objection that's ever going to come your way so you can walk away and win your fees with confidence and leave your cheaper competitors empty-handed
1: and that's brilliant and both books are so valuable not only did Darren copy the name of my
0: book but he also copied the cover Right, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's our backs anyway. But um, yeah, like, get your hands on the books. Um, you know, Dennis, we're getting a lot of traction. A lot of people around the world are ordering those books. There, we've we've all, we've actually placed over two thousand now. Alrighty, in seven countries, um, actually probably eight, including Mexico. So, yeah, yep. getting into all sorts of places now, um, and people are they're changing their businesses. They read it, they implement uh, and put into place what we're teaching of our best expertise in those books, and um, people are really growing. Darren, we've got one of the uh, top BDMs in Australia
1: only just shared with us. We just did a recording for our new series, the expert series um, that we recorded for our um, Inspired Growth training members. And they said they used one of your scripts, right, to help them win a management. And they literally just got that um, email as we're well doing the, the agreement. And then... Um, Joe, uh, uh, another, uh, you know, amazing top real estate agent well-known in Australia was saying that they had you out, they had your book out and they were sharing it in their property management meeting. So well, that's, well, you I'm know. getting
0: business owners ringing, you know, they order the book and then they send a message back, hey, look, I want one for everyone on my team. And they're ordering 10, 25, five, right. you know, and just, we're just shipping out. And what we'll happened to do another order, Dennis, within 10 weeks, I was sold out. So we have to order another 3,000. They're actually a week away now. Um, awesome. ready. So there's going to be plenty to, to get around. But anyway, thank you, um, everyone. And um, Dennis, I think we're done.
1: Yeah, um, well done! An amazing uh, podcast recording. We've just done a game, Darren. For another one, we've got plenty
0: more to come. I've still got plenty of material to go through.
1: Yeah, lots to do, lots to cover. I mean, we could both stand in a room for hours and just um, and problem solve. So, if anyone's got some topics that they would like us to cover, you know, we're certainly very capable of being able to do that as well. But um, thank you, Darren. Um, thank you, Aaron, everyone, for listening in, and we'll see you at the next episode.
0: Take care.